Welcome to Civil Discourse. I'm Marilyn Brown. And I'm Damon Wojciechowski. And today I am very excited because we are back and we are discussing a topic that is very near and dear to my heart and exciting that there's a show about it. So we're discussing the new Stars documentary that it premiered about five weeks ago called America to Me. And the reason I'm so excited about this show is because I actually went to Oak Park River Forest High School. And funnily enough, like five minutes before we taped this, I found my gym shirt. I was looking for my graduation shirt and I couldn't find it, but I found my gym shirt. And so I had to put it on and represent um, because I graduated from Oak Park in class of 99. I'm kind of dating myself. I also found my mug. So I wanted to, I'm just, I'm so excited about this show. It's really funny because everybody that I went to the school with and people that I know in the Oak Park community are all just kind of, our minds are blown that we're watching um, our high school and our community on TV. And, and, and so the exciting thing about the show, so it's a docu-series um, by Stephen James. And the show, it's a 10-episode docu-series, and it follows students at a high school in Oak Park River Forest. It's a suburb just west of Chicago. Um, Oak Park has been one of the towns that's kind of known to be one of the first places to um, be diverse, to be racially diverse, to become integrated. Um, we can talk about that a little bit later, but so the show and the high school and, and kind of the town itself are, are known as being a very diverse place where people are able to kind of coexist in this model of um, of, of, of diversity and, 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 and so it's interesting because the show is really taking a different look at that and so I want to kind of talk to you about that and it, it really um, it follows students and talks about issues around race and also a very um, significant um, achievement gap that exists between white students and black students in Oak Park and so I wanted to just check in with you and see have you watched the episode? How far have you gotten into the show? And kind of tell me what you think so far. So, so I've watched the first two episodes so far. Um, I have to subscribe to Stars to watch the rest, which is that's where it's on. It's on Stars, um, and it's been interesting because I watched it a couple weeks ago, the first episode, and I just wanted to kind of let it sit to see if I formed any kind of opinions about it. Um, but I really haven't. Um, and I think that's mostly because, uh, my experience was not in a diverse school at all. Uh, 99.89% of the students were white. Um, I remember there being one black family that I recall in one Asian family from China where the kids spoke very little English showed no one really be, they people were nice to them but they weren't like they weren't in anyone's kind of friend group because they kind of stuck to themselves um so it's just been interesting to kind of watch the experience of these kids and observe it without having kind of any reference point for it yeah interesting and so so for me it's been a completely different experience and I can I I can't really um relate cuz again I grew up in Oak Park I grew up in a community where there were white students and black students in um all of my classes for the most part and yet one of the most interesting things about Oak Park is that there are the, the though you're together there still exists these two worlds 
And that's really a lot of what the show is kind of highlighting is that there really is very little actual coexistence between races, that everybody's pretty divided into different groups. And that's just kind of how Oak Park is often functioned. And I think that um, it's interesting watching it for me because that's one of the things that I when I went into Oak Park and the high school, especially, um, you know, for me, my family is, is diverse. I have my, my grandmother, um, was a white woman who adopted my mother. And so I've always had a diverse family. And so for me growing up in Oak Park, I always thought, okay, like this is school. I can be somewhere where I can have, be friends with whoever I'm comfortable with and whoever I connect with and not be judged for it. And yet that really wasn't the experience in Oak Park. And there really was a very, very um, kind of expected role that that I felt that I was expected or pushed into um, being a black person in Oak Park. And, and that came from everybody. It wasn't like, you know, only black people were expecting me to be a certain way or that I felt that it was pressure from all sides. And I think that there was a kind of an expectation and a and a. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't find it right now, but like a, just where you kind of feel like you're you're pushed into a box and not really allowed to be um, yourself and really allowed to develop into yourself. And so that's kind of one of the things that for me was really striking about Oak Park. I actually um, was on the cheerleading team and they show the cheerleading team in one of the first two episodes. And that is an interesting dynamic um, to me as well. And one of the things, again, that's persisted since, you know, I went to that school and graduated almost 20 years ago. And even before that, that the cheerleading team is predominantly black girls and the drill team that does like the dance. And now they have like a band. They didn't have a band when I went there. We did not have a band. I watched the episode with the band and I was like, whoa, this looks so <laughs> exciting. Like what the heck? Their homecoming actually looks fun. One year, another school brought our brought their band and like shamed us so like it was so embarrassing because like another school brought their band and like we had nothing to our homecoming. It was bad. I think that's why they probably added a band anyway. So drill team does like flags and things like that, but that's always been predominantly white girls and maybe a couple of black girl black girls on drill team and same thing with cheerleading. Like pretty much mostly black girls, maybe a couple like a couple of white girls usually. Um, and it's just always been like that. And I remember when I got there, I, I felt like I didn't really have a choice um, of which to pursue, you know, and I'm somebody that like, I like to dance. I hadn't ever done cheerleading before. I wasn't really familiar with like doing stunts and things like that. But I was like, okay, you know, this looks cool. But I didn't really feel like I had an option to join drill team unless I wanted to be then seen as like, put in a box and seen as like, okay, now you're like that black girl who like doesn't <laughs> mix with black, like isn't around black people. You know what I mean? And so it was like, there was kind of this, like I, it was, it was an interesting dynamic. And so it's interesting to me that that still persists. And I wonder, are there people that felt like I did like, okay, well, I could have been interested in this, but I felt like I wasn't even really allowed to over the now 20 years since it's and, and beyond probably 30, 40 years since it's been that way. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was interesting to me. But the one thing that I really was kind of an, another thing about the episode, they showed the cheerleading team. And um, and this is something I want to kind of check in with you about is that there were a lot of the teachers or um, the, the coaches in the school that really seemed to feel very strongly that when they are 
interacting with black students, working with black students, that they have to treat them differently, that they have to be um, more aggressive. I think the cheerleading coach said something like, I have like all black girls and these girls are like tough or so I can't remember her wording exactly. So like, please don't quote me, but it was something to the effect of, you know, I recognize because this team is mostly black girls um, that I have to act, that I have to treat them more aggressively. Mm-hmm. And that really made me uncomfortable, extremely uncomfortable. I, I feel that dynamic, but for her to really feel comfortable saying it and saying it as if it was a statement of fact, and if there was no kind of nuance to that conversation just really kind of blew my mind. And I was like, whoa, okay, so this is different. Um, because it wasn't, you know, when I was on the cheerleading team, our coaches, the each co- both coaches that I had were, were black women. So it wasn't that kind of dynamic. So it was interesting to me. And I'm wondering, did you notice that? Uh, I noticed Uh, it very blatantly. I actually wanted to ask you about it because the other thing that I know, I think it's just hard with documentaries, right? Because they're all edited. And in that sequence, I saw that it was being edited. There were cuts. So I was like, well, is that actually what she said in a row? Or did they just put like these highlights together? And that's what it sounded like there like i wasn't quite sure because that section was highly edited um so i was really interested to see if that was if you had experience with that because they kind of i think it was the second it was either the first or the second episode because i definitely saw it where there were like a string of little interviews that were kind of uh making it seem very much that way um what kind of struck me the most uh specifically with the, the cheerleader thing is that it seems like everyone is aware at that school teacher wise that there's major issues with how it functions and with kind of uh, equity within the diversity. And yet uh, they seemed at the same time completely oblivious to certain aspects. There was a teacher who was asked about uh, the the drill team being placed like right in front of the, the biggest part of the the stadium and then the cheerleaders kind of being put off to the side and she was like yeah i mean i guess the middle just fills up first and i don't even know who sits um by the cheerleaders and then they show a picture of one of the rallies and it's all the black students by the cheerleaders so the fact that there was a lack of awareness that uh i i think i mean it's similar to kind of what the country's going through right there's the difference between the blatant racism and the kind of institutionalized subtleties that result from it and it's like well we're not saying you have to be over here because you're black it probably just happened naturally because of the racial tensions and the way the school functioned but now it's just so part of it that people don't even think like well is this right or why is it like this yeah so So two things. So the first thing that really kind of um, that I noticed is that with the with the cheerleading coach and what she said and how she was talking to them and her her demeanor, her attitude, like everything. I don't know. I just feel like she has watched way too many of those like those like shows. You know what I'm talking about? Like the coaching cheerleading coach nightmare shows or whatever, because she just I felt like she was putting on a role like she was like, this is my moment. Mm-hmm. Either way, like, yeah. it was it was a lot, but it's interesting to me that you felt like 
I want to see more. I like, I, I like you wanted to not it, not it for it not to be that blatant. Uh, not saying it didn't want it that way but like it was just interesting you were kind of like okay well I just want to see more whereas for me I was like yeah this is this is pretty blatant like it wasn't even just what she said in the cut piece but also just how she was acting towards them that really made me extremely uncomfortable and made me feel like you know this is not necessary you know what I mean I think I I picked up on what you're talking about though is she seems in comparison to everyone else she seems such a character that I was like are you just putting it on because there's a camera there and you want your moment because even in the contrast of her she just took it the cheerleading so seriously and everyone else was kind of like i we love it and we do it for fun because we want to do it and she's like the drill sergeant Mm -hmm. like it just didn't something didn't seem right yeah yeah no i know like it was just um yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely could see that. But it was also so the other thing I, I completely forgot about this part, and I'm glad that you pointed it out. Um, she, the, the, the where they actually get to cheer, and that the drill team is like dancing in the front of the game or in the front of the stands, and then the cheerleaders are kind of all the way off to the side. So that part really struck me as well because that was also not a part of my experience. So when we were there, um, the cheerleading team was like popping like we were winning competitions we were doing extremely well we also again didn't have a band and so like there wasn't really a lot that drill team actually did when I went there not saying they didn't do anything but they came out at halftime and they did their did did their routines at halftime and then did a couple of things during the show but they weren't like on the field dancing so that part was different as well and that really kind of struck me as kind of like well what happened like how did that shift and I was just kind of that's interesting, yeah. Really, yeah, I was really just kind of curious of, like, what happened. And, I mean, again, it's been, like, 20 years. So, like, a lot can shift in 20 years. But I do think that um, that also just felt very, like, a much more extreme and much more overtly racist um, experience for the right, students. Right. And I wonder if things have gotten, you know, again, there was, things were always pretty segregated at Oak Park. I mean, there weren't, you know, not saying there were people that didn't hang out with everybody. A lot of times the athletes and sports teams and stuff, there was a lot more um, people connecting and, and, and hanging out with each other. But I feel like it, it seems like there's been an even more kind of increase in the, the space between races at mm-hmm. Oak Park and at the school. Um, you know, another thing, like I, this is in a more, in a later episode, but I just noticed that like, they're much more on top of security. Like when students are coming in, like, I don't remember them checking our IDs when we came into the school really regularly and like stopping you. And and it just seems like a much more tense atmosphere overall. Um, so that, that was interesting to me. Um, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think Again, even with the going back to the cheerleading coach, the thing I noticed is uh, that was similar with her and pretty much every other teacher or administrator that we saw was the uh, I, I think that I already talked about a little bit that difference between the being aware, being having those subtle racist qualities that are just part of our culture because everyone's taught them um, versus actually trying to be aware of it and fix the problem because uh, she made she she made the thing about like oh I have to be harder because they're black girls but then she 
and I could be remember this wrong, she was also the one who was trying to get them to rotate positions with the drill team and mentioned, I think that the whole racism element with that she brought mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. So I, and I saw that with a lot of the, the teachers, this like their uh, wanting to kind of do the, the right thing and like fix the problems, but also being part of the problem. Um, and I think it's hard because, uh, and I hope they kind of dive into this uh, as the, the series goes, because it starts with the uh, the reason they decided to, to do the documentaries, because when Black Lives Matter happened, they tried to do, uh, the administration wanted to have a Black Lives Matter rally with just black students. And there was mass outrage that the white students would be excluded um, mm-hmm. And I think what what's hard is, I mean, you look at that school and yes, there's a couple of black teachers, but it's very clear that the vast majority of the administration is white. Um, and I think it's hard for white people to fix the problem without uh, having the insight from the black experience, right? Because you're just, it's not something you've experienced. So you're just going off of your own biases and what you think without having any understanding. Um, And it it seems like the school's also kind of uh, conflicted on how it wants to do that. Because I thought, I mean, having just the, uh, I hope it goes into the debate about the rally a little bit more, because I think it's kind of an, an important one because I see I understand the the points of kind of both sides of the argument, um, even though I strongly lean towards the usefulness of um, having those kind of rallies. It's the same as Black Lives Matter. If you go to a rally, yeah, there's a couple or events, not really the rallies, but if you go to um, uh, a panel or anything that they're holding, a lot of them are no media and uh, no white people. Um, and it's to create a safe place so that people can discuss the issues without feeling hesitant or feeling scared or feeling like they can't say things. And then later, once you have that space in the dialogues there, then you can bring in kind of the, the allies to to discuss things. But it's kind of st- stages in doing it. Um, and if they would have done the rally and had a bunch of the white students there, I'm sure it would have been nonproductive because it would have been like everything else we are seeing in the documentary. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with that. And I do hope that they go more into that and kind of maybe, you know, I'm, I'm thinking maybe because that was kind of the first issue that was brought up, maybe that'll be like the bookend kind of right. <laughs> talking about it. I hope that they bring that back up. But I do um agree with that. And I think that it is important to be able to create that safety. And going back to what you were saying about the um, white teachers and their awareness of the issue. And that's something that has been persistent throughout OPRF as well. Um, And so this problem has been has been going on and maybe steadily getting worse over the last few decades, but it's really interesting. I'm sorry if you guys can hear a lot of background noise, but like there's somebody working on my door. I don't know. (laughs) Timing is fantastic, Um, but we're just gonna roll with it. Um, But it's it's been a consistent problem and such that I remember when I arrived at Oak Park in 1995, 
I was immediately placed into a program that I didn't even know what it was. It was called four by 100. And what it was, was there were four teachers. So they took the four core class teachers, math, science, um, English, history for like freshman year. Um, and 100 students that they had pre-identified as at risk for not doing well academically. Um, the interesting thing, I still have no idea. I want to like research this and figure out what, what they actually did to determine the at risk because all of most of us were black and brown students. Um, there were maybe a couple of white kids, but pretty much for the most part, it was all black and brown students and we were put into, so Oak Park is a very big high school. Um, my graduating class was like 780 some kids. Um, and so it was a big campus, big school. And so for four by 100, they put all these four classes right in this one little hallway. And so instead of having to like maybe go from, you know, one end of the school to the other end of the school to get to your math class, but in the five minute period, you're literally like right there and just kind of rotating between these four teachers and these 100, again, entering freshmen who have been identified as at risk. Um, and so it was interesting for me. So I, I see the look on your face already. So it was interesting for me because again, I have no idea how I got into that program. Um, I struggle with math, but other than that, like I wasn't, you know, in, in extremely, you know, I didn't really struggle that much in school. I went to summer school for math one year. Um, but other than that, I was a pretty average student. Um, and again, I did, and I also didn't know that I was in it at the time. And so I remember like my first day, I was like, I go to my class and I'm like, well, this is weird. My, my next class is just right there. Huh? Okay. Well, I guess I'll just stand here for a little bit and then go. And then it, it took me a little bit. And then finally, like, I, I don't remember if I asked someone or whatever, but just kind of found out that I was in this program. And I remember I went home and I was upset and talked to my mom about it. And, you know, she was kind of like, well, I don't really know what it is either, but like, it sounds like they're offering you more support. So that's fine. Um, you know, honestly, I think that maybe, yeah, I, I still don't know their criteria, but it could have also been, you know, um, Oak Park also kind of pays attention to like, if your siblings went there and what their experience was. And I definitely know that when I entered that high school, I was treated very, very differently. Um, because of my brother's negative experience at that school. And, and that was something that I really had to deal with. Like my whole freshman year, I felt like teachers were just kind of like, what are you going to be like? What are you going to do? You know, like, are we going to have a problem with you? And then once they kind of got to know me and realized I was like, you know, completely myself, it, it was a different experience kind of going forward. But I remember that as well. And so anyway, this, this program that I didn't know that I was in, you know, it was, the teachers were great. I actually really loved the four teachers that we had. Um, they were wonderful. And, you know, we did some cool stuff and, and got to have these, these great opportunities. But at the same time, what also happened is that we were isolated from the rest of the school. And so then going into sophomore year, whereas everybody else has made broader connections throughout the school and like met other people. I remember, you know, my best friend who I was, you know, was not in the program. So she met more people, kind of got to know more people throughout the school. Meanwhile, like we're in this really, really tight group that isn't really giving us that experience and allowing us to kind of thrive fully. And so I remember thinking, 
or feeling like it really hindered my experience. And also, again, it felt very unnecessary. And I also don't know that it was really helpful. They didn't keep the program going for very long. Um, and I don't, I don't know anybody that, you know, that like, I don't think it was this, this amazing benefit and that like stopped these, you know, identified at risk kids from, you know, whatever the risk was. So it just, but it was just interesting to me. Cause again, it was like, whereas Oak Park was, you know, again, a lot of white kids, decent amount of black kids, you know, and a few, you know, everybody else, but like in four by 100, it was like 90%, like, 95% black and brown kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's well, interesting it's with the show because I, I'm interested to see the effect it has because the thing I noticed and the thing that makes it hard for me to kind of form uh, opinions while I'm watching it, which I don't think is a bad thing, is that it. I think we're used to, uh, especially on topics of race, kind of any media we consume about it is very preachy one way or the other. Um, or is coming with a, a, a very hard um, perspective on how to f- fix the issue or that there is no issue or what, whatever it is, where this show is very much just uh, following the, the kids and their experience. And yeah, we get the, the adult perspective and there's definitely discussions of what the problem is and stuff like that. But there's really no broader discussion on... Um, like direct solutions based on what the kids are then experiencing. Um, So it's just interesting because I don't think we've really seen anything like that where it's literally just following these kids and their experience without there being kind of um, a very specific agenda behind it. Of course, there's an agenda with the documentary. If there wasn't, there wouldn't be a documentary, but it's not in the, it doesn't seem in the same realm of what most documentaries do at least not in the the first two episodes yeah i will say it gets (laughs) a little bit deeper um not i don't think it gets preachy but i do think that it gets it gets deeper um into a point of view Mm -hmm. but i don't think that it's you know shoved down your throat and i think there really is allowing the story to be told by following these students and also the teachers i like that it goes home with some of the teachers and also goes home with the students. So you see their families and you get to really kind of understand how they grew up and, and if, you know, they went to Oak Park, what their experience was. So I really do like that. And it's, um, you know, another thing that I think is important about it, I guess I would say is that um, it, it's showing it's it's doing what I think a lot of things are doing right now that people that may, are making people uncomfortable is that it's really seeking to expose the truth underneath, you know, what we're what we're trying to create the illusion that we're trying to create. And so, again, you know, Oak Park is is this kind of model suburb for um, for integration. You know, it was one of the cities. I mean, it, it, it is very, 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 very heavily racist for a very long time and segregated. Um, And then there was an active decision to integrate Oak Park and um, Percy Julian moved into Oak Park, which is, which is another thing. So it's like exposing the truth beneath the illusion. So I went to Percy Julian junior high school 
I knew that Percy Julian was the first black man to move into Oak Park and a little bit about him. What I didn't know is that when he arrived in Oak Park, his home was firebombed twice. Um, so that's something that we weren't taught. I don't remember being taught how he was received when he came mm -hmm. to the community and how he was treated by the white people that were there. You know, they just kind of made it seem like, you know, a black man moved in and everybody, you know, I'm happy. happy. <laughs> so diverse. It's so great. Yeah. Um, and so, but, so that really stuck out to me watching this documentary and, and hearing that part of the history that, again, I wasn't really that aware of. And so I like that it's really exposing the truth beneath the surface. But what I know about Oak Park is that Oak Park is a very proud suburb. Oak Park loves itself and, 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 and loves its diversity and loves these things about itself and its reputation and feels very, very tied to that. And so I can already see even just with the first couple episodes that came out, how resistant people are to hearing these stories and to having these kind of conversations and to saying, well, is Oak Park really as, you know, um, comfortable for everyone? Is it the same town for everyone to live in? Is everybody having the same experience? And even kind of challenging that and asking that question is making a whole lot of people uncomfortable, which is really great because that's how we actually, you know, work through and, and make those changes possible is through the discomfort. And so I like that that's happening. But I mean, within the first week that the show came out, there's a group that um, a friend of mine from high school was in on Facebook called like Growing Up in Oak Park. And it's been a group that she's been in for a while. And they like banned people from talking about the show at all. Like banned any discussion around the show. Even I think it was even before the show came out. I might it, I don't even know if the first episode had come on yet, but we're just like absolutely no discussions about this show in this group. And it's just kind of like and I'm hearing that from other people in other places that people are really getting shut down about talking about it. Um, mostly white people. Um, because again, it's it's challenging that illusion that things are really great and that this is a happy place for everyone. And it's really not, you know, I have friends who in the summer would get stopped by the police, like just walking down the street, like black boy, you know, 12 years old, like school's out. It's summer. Where are you going? I'm a kid and I'm walking around my neighborhood, like, but constantly getting pulled over and just not even feeling comfortable to walk down their own streets. And again, this isn't somewhere that's supposed to be so this picture of, you know, peaceful race, racial coexistence. Right. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's, it's that the truth and, and, and the truth of it is the complexity. And I think the complexity is what uh, makes everyone uncomfortable, including, I mean, on both sides of the, on all sides of the argument is because we naturally want to try to simplify things. Um, and I think that's what you see a lot uh, in the school uh, from the administration is them trying to implement these things that they think are going to help, but they're really oversimplifications to fix the problem and therefore make the problem worse or, or just maintain what's happening. Um, and I think it's hard to to really deal with those complexities and it makes it hard in a school anyways because there's a lot less adults than there are kids and you get the whole thing of like well if if we do how do we how do we make it 
equitable for everybody because if we do this one program then that's giving these people an advantage but not this but then if we do this other program to help those people now they have an advantage and and it just i mean it's it's very complicated and takes a lot of um effort i'm curious uh i guess from your perspective of of going there um if you like what was your experience with the, the the teachers and the administrators in trying to uh i guess fix the the inequity mm. did you feel like it was an active thing that was mm. happening or that it was just always kind of misguided i think there were a couple of teachers who had who really had a um more mindful approach to trying to offer solutions. Actually, one of the teachers is in the documentary. He's amazing, Mr. Khan. Um, he leads the spoken word group and he's an English teacher. And he actually started that group the year that I graduated. Um, and so, but coming from a place of creating spaces for expression and for, again, creating spaces for, for of safety and comfort and expression were something that I think some of the teachers seem to have been able to do. There were a couple of teachers that tried some things while I was there that were moderately, you know, successful and seemed helpful. But I think what most of the teachers did and most of what I'm still seeing now is that kind of idea of like, let me show you, I can relate to you and then that'll fix the problem. And so yeah. let me like code switch and talk to you in a different way and Hey girl, you and tell you, I like your weave and blah, 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 blah. And that's going to fix the problem rather than like, maybe I need to challenge my white students perception. Maybe I need to and challenge my own perception, because if this is how I think that I need to talk to you to relate to you, then I am already I'm, I've already I'm already misguided. Um, and so and that's, I think, a persistent problem. And I see it everywhere. You know, that's that's one of the things that I experience in my life all the time it literally you know just happened today and it's just kind of this interesting dynamic um but in a teaching when you're a teacher and when you're in this role where you are you know if you're aware that there's a problem you also need to be aware of your own stuff and i think that's what i see with a lot of these teachers is they're not willing to turn the mirror onto themselves and say okay what are what are the views that i have like where's my What's my privilege? What's my race? Like, what are the what are the conditioned racist responses? And to me, what do I what am I doing? Because, you know, this is a later episode that you haven't seen yet. But one of the teachers was like, you know, I know that when I see black students in my class, I need to pay more attention to them and I need to reach out to them and make sure that I let them know, like, I get you. And it's like, no, <laughs> like that's actually not what black students need. Um, and so. I think that's it's it's still a persistent problem. And again, it's something that I saw before teachers would either, you know, not pay any attention to it at all and not acknowledge that there was any anything or go kind of to the other end of the spectrum and be like just almost uncomfortably, um, you know, trying to be familiar in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And and. 
you know, I think I would err on the side of like, don't do that. <laughs> I think that, that, I don't know. I, I get that that's people's own discomfort and kind of don't know what to do, but like that, that makes at least me personally feel way less seen than if somebody just treats me like I'm like, not, not, not there at all, but like, like everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think it's just so challenging because it's, I mean, a, a school is really a, a mini government <laughs> and we see it. I mean, everything I'm seeing in the show is like, yeah, that's just how the, the system has been built for the country in a whole. And it's like, even if you uh, are a teacher who is actually trying to create positive change, you're just there's so many obstacles to it because you have uh, I was just thinking about like if if a, a teacher was challenging actively in a class challenging white students to kind of overcome racism that outrage if like a student told the wrong parent about it and it went around social media and all this stuff and just I think it's yeah. it's hard if the admin like the administration isn't um backing it right i mean you see it in the government you have your people you have you have the activists fighting and they're kind of on the fringe who are dealing with all the all the crap until the the government finally takes notice and does change but really most of that the the government officials aren't losing anything based on it it's the activists on the ground actually trying to do things that are the ones making sacrifices oh well, right um right yeah and yeah. i think it's the same in 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 schools and i think you s because it's not as grandeur i think you see um uh, a lot because i've talked to a lot of uh teachers who kind of say that where they're like i realize there's a problem but there's really just nothing i can do because every time i try to help um there's pushback either from the administration or from parents or from so you just kind of give up because of the pushback and it's just not worth it. You're like, either you get to the point where it's like, well, I'm going to lose my job if I do something and then I'm not useful or, you know, and I mean, that, that's, yeah. that's a, that's a percentage. And then there's a lot of percentage of, of teachers who are just unaware. Um, right. So and I think I the mix makes it hard. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely, I, I definitely think that it's hard and you're on the ground kind of, fighting that that tough fight and, and challenging that. But I also think like as a teacher, um, that's kind of part of the responsibility that you take is to kind of be an advocate in some ways for your students and for their for them to thrive. Um, and I think there's a way to challenge racist perceptions and challenge your students without like creating a whole curriculum curriculum around like Black Lives Matter or something like that. I think that there's ways to, and one of the teachers actually does it really skillfully and I don't remember her name. She's one of the teachers that they follow the most, um, the one who tried to actually create some change in with the administration and did some research and they like didn't even want to hear her presentation, but like still in her classroom, she talks about equity versus equality. She talks about um, she talked about it when Laquan McDonald was killed in Chicago and she brought it up in class and she talked to her students about it. And, you know, it's not like, it, it doesn't seem like she's shoving it down people's throats, but at the same time, she's educating them and she's, she's mm -hmm. 
dispelling some of these ideas that like if you just work hard enough then you're going to do well and that that's not everybody's experience and she does it really artfully and skillfully and it's a challenge i don't think every teacher is really up to the challenge and i think part of what i think needs to happen across the board in education is that like teachers need to continually grow um in order to continually meet the needs of the students that are presenting themselves because again you know some of these teachers have been here since before i left and they look great and they're still doing really well but at the same time like are they evolving with the times that we live in i mean when i went to that school students didn't have phones in their pocket like i had a pager and that was a big deal you know but it things are changing and so the the teachers need to be incentivized or supported in their own growth and in growing and challenging themselves and their own ideas. And so, um, but I also think giving up is just creates again, more of the problem. It's like that's, you know, because it's not an option to give up for these students. It's not an option to give up if this is your life and, and that, that kind of, well, we'll just give up and I'll just keep collecting my salary and just watching, you know, the black students that I work with, continually you know not do well in the school is kind of like like that's you know what I mean like that that's that doesn't sit well with me and I think that like that's something that again people have to be willing to like turn that mirror on themselves and question like why am I doing this job am I effective in this job what you know what I mean what am I what am I doing here mm-hmm. um, and how can I try to be be, be better um, because yeah. yeah, you know, that's, it's, it's a big responsibility. I never wanted to be a teacher. I feel like that's a huge responsibility. Um, so yeah, yeah I too, uh, the thing I really love about the show, um, is that it, it is forcing people to, to, uh, really analyze how they view, uh, the success of a school because i think it's very counter to the way we as a culture um or as a society kind of analyze the success of schools because on paper that school is thriving and doing very well because there are students doing very well getting really high grades going to really big schools and that's kind of what we test scores uh, across the board because they were showing kind of the the disparity and when you when they're presented to a normal person you're just showing the the numbers you're not saying well these are the white numbers versus the black numbers versus the asian numbers versus this Mm -hmm. so on paper for a lot of people that school would look like Mm -hmm. it was an example of thriving Um, but then when you look at it deeper you see all those those little problems that without a documentary like this you don't realize you would just assume like, well, kids are doing great there. It's a great school. It's diverse. They're doing well. There's all these resources available for them. Like, what's the problem? Um, Because you don't take a a deeper look. And I think it's it's also fights the kind of Hollywood narrative of what you often see of the this struggling kind of black school where like a white teacher goes in and like saves everybody um and i i mean that's i mean how many there's there's so many of those movies um but i think that's kind of what uh we 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 see it as we see kind of school as like either the school is completely failing um and needs like a savior or it's fine um, right. And there's just so there's so much more complexity and nuance yeah. 
to it that I think this documentary is really showing. Yeah, that's such a good point. That's such a good point because it's just, it, it, it begs the question, like how, you know, like people think good school success, right? But it's like, how do you fail at a really good school? How do kids continually, you know, slip through the cracks at what looks like a really good school with lots of resources? Like what's happening? Yeah, that's, 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 I think one of the most interesting things about it because it, it, you know, it isn't that, that black and white, it's really kind of digging into the gray of like, what does this look like? And on the surface, yeah, like you said, it, it's, it's an incredible school and there's tons of resources. And, you know, there was one of the episodes they were in the jewelry making class. And like, I took jewelry making class my senior year and it was amazing. And like, it's just, you know, there were lots of, lots of resources. Um, and yet, yeah, you know, what, what's going on and what's, what are the challenges here? Mm-hmm. It's also interesting because I don't know why it's, it seems, I mean, I'm sure other countries are like this, but um, I noticed it when I was living in, in Europe and kind of traveling a lot is America has this, uh, their idea of kind of our idea of kind of pride is that is kind of this like, well, America's great and it's fine and, and it's it's the best and, and kind of this thing. And other countries don't really have that. I remember in the UK, there was just a lot of like, yeah, this is good, but how do we make it better? Like there was always this kind of analysis of how things can in, improve that I don't feel like we have here. Um, I feel like most of the fight is on like, no, there's a problem. There's like, no, there's no problem. And there's not in like, well, there's always ways to improve what we're doing. We should constantly kind of be in a, I mean, it's very, it's the premise of mindfulness that there's right. always improvement and you're on a journey and you're always trying to just make things better. Um, and I think this documentary kind of helps put, I think that's a reason it's making people feel very uncomfortable, but yeah. I think it, it's kind of putting us in a place where we're starting to realize that that mm-hmm. we can want things to be better and know that there are problems and that doesn't mean that we hate the school or that we're against the school or the country or whatever it is those right. things aren't kind of mutually exclusive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i definitely think america's kind of identity as a whole has been very kind of more more in the ego Right. More in kind of that ego space of like, yeah, like we're number one. It's good. And then and there's the defensiveness. Right. If anybody challenges anything or brings up issues, then, you know, there's that like resistance to hearing that. And so, yeah, I think that this is this is a very it's a very mindful approach to kind of looking at education. And I do think that, you know, I'm excited to see what what it's going to bring to Oak Park as a whole, as a community. Um, I can already see that there's a lot more discussion. There's been, you know, public forums and things um, to kind of have conversations about this. And so I'm really excited just to see what is going to change in the community for the better. Um, you know, as the show wraps up, it's going all the way. I think the, the last episode is like October 28th is the finale. So it's like halfway through the season. So if you haven't watched any of it, please check it out. It's really good. Agreed. <laughs> Wonderful. Do you have homework? I mean, just watch it, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's just to watch it and like, yeah, that's that's about it. Yeah, just watch it and go OPRF. 
It's so crazy. They do the same cheers and everything. I was like watching the episode and they do the moves. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's amazing. So, Aww. yay. Okay, well, hopefully we'll not take another month off. Um, my schedule is actually clearing up, so yeah. I should have much more time. As yours, I'm sure, is ramping up. Fall <laughs> yeah, ends up being my busy season, but we're still going to work it out. Either okay. way, we'll see you guys soon. Okay. Have a good one.